0: William Blake, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. In this peculiar poem, Blake sets out to challenge conventional theology on good and evil, heaven and hell, as well as the theologian and visionary Emanuel Swedenborg, who lived from 1688 to 1772. Blake draws on the prophetic Old Testament tradition. His goal is not so much to tear down religion, but he's a visionary a prophet, and a rebel, as so many prophets were. Once again, Blake objects to the way that religion has become filled with rules, and he dislikes rules. For Blake, personal revelation is better. A good prelude to The Marriage of Heaven and Hell that effectively illustrates some of Blake's views of religion can be found in the last three stanzas of his poem, The Garden of Love, FROM SONGS OF INNOCENCE AND EXPERIENCE. I WENT TO THE GARDEN OF LOVE AND SAW WHAT I NEVER HAD SEEN. A CHAPEL WAS BUILT IN THE MIDST WHERE I USED TO PLAY ON THE GREEN. AND THE GATES OF THIS CHAPEL WERE SHUT, AND THOU SHALT NOT WRIT OVER THE DOOR. SO I TURNED TO THE GARDEN OF LOVE THAT SO MANY SWEET FLOWERS BORE, AND I SAW IT WAS FILLED WITH GRAVES. And tombstones where flowers should be, and priests in black gowns were walking their rounds and binding with briars my joys and desires. Note that Blake represents organized religion as consisting of thou shalt nots or prohibitions, and the priests are depicted as binding with briars my joys and desires. As we will see, joy and desire for Blake is something that should not be limited. The notion of contraries is very important to Blake, as we've already seen in his plan for Songs of Innocence and Experience. We see it even more here. He's really referring to a dialectic. You might look up the word dialectic in a dictionary. Evil for Blake is associated with energy and the active forces, and good is associated with the more passive forces and with reason. Blake also does not see the body and the soul as separate. Desire is good, even excess is good, and should not be restrained in keeping with his dislike of rules. Let's begin with some selected passages. The poem begins with a reference to Rintra, which is one of Blake's peculiar cast of powers or influences. Rintra roars and shakes his fires in the burdened air, hungry clouds swag on the deep, end quote. Let's turn to plate three, where we he- see his first reference to Swedenborg, whom he characterizes this way. Swedenborg is the angel sitting at the tomb. His writings are the linen clothes folded up. An obvious reference to the tomb of Christ on Easter morning. A few lines later he says, Without contraries is no progression. Attraction and repulsion, reason and energy, love and hate are necessary to human existence. From these contraries spring what the religious call good and evil. Good is the passive that obeys reason. Evil is the act of springing from energy. Good is heaven. Evil is hell. So here we see a dichotomy that is very different from the way good and evil are usually thought of. For Blake, you cannot have progression if you do not have these contraries. On plate four, under the heading The Voice of the Devil, Blake says All Bibles or sacred codes have been the causes of the following errors one, that man has two real existing principles, viz., a body and a soul. Two, that energy called evil is alone from the body, and that reason called good is alone from the soul. Three, That God will torment man in eternity for following his energies. So he considers these statements as errors. Going on, he says, but the following contraries to these are true. One, man has no body distinct from his soul, for that called body is a portion of soul discerned by the five senses, the chief inlets of soul in this age. Two, Energy is the only life and is from the body, and reason is the bound or outward circumference of energy. Three, energy is eternal delight. Quote. Another important passage comes under Plague 6, where Blake says, The reason Milton wrote in fetters when he wrote of angels and God, and at liberty when of devils and hell, is because he was a true poet, and of the devil's party without knowing it. End quote. Blake's characterization of Milton as being of the devil's party without knowing it refers to the way that Milton depicted Satan in Paradise Lost, a character depicted with considerable psychological realism, and by far the most interesting character of Milton's epic. This view of Satan as a kind of hero of Paradise Lost, we would probably more accurately refer to him as the anti-hero, was shared by other romantic poets as well, most notably Shelley and Byron. The way that Satan is characterized by Milton as a rebel and an outcast fits well with the romantic fascination with those types of figures. Among the most memorable and distinctive features of The Marriage of Heaven and Hell* are the passages identified as the proverbs of hell. Blake sets this up with what he calls a memorable fancy as follows. As I was walking among the fires of hell, delighted with the enjoyment of genius, which to angels look like torment and insanity, I collected some of their proverbs, thinking that as the sayings used in a nation market's character, So the proverbs of hell show the nature of infernal wisdom better than any description of buildings or garments. When I came home on the abyss of the five senses, where a flat-sided steep frowns over the present world, I saw a mighty devil, folded in black clouds, hovering on the sides of the rock. With corroding fires, he wrote the following sentence, now perceived by the minds of men and read by them on earth How do you know but every bird that cuts the airy way is an immense world of delight closed by your senses five? We're going to come back to this reference to corroding fires, but the last lines of the passage are a reference to a famous young poet, at least in the 18th century, named Thomas Chatterton. Chatterton was a very promised and much promising and much-admired poet who committed suicide at the age of 17 and who became an icon of his time. I like to think of him as sort of the Kurt Cobain of his time. The proverbs of hell represent the infernal reading of scriptures, the other side of the dialectic. I'll read just a few examples of these that are written in the style of the proverbs of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. The road of excess leads to the palace of wisdom. He who desires but acts not breeds pestilence. Remember that for Blake, desire is good because it represents energy, and it should not be suppressed. Eternity is in love with the productions of time. There's a nice opposition there between time and eternity. On plate 8, he writes, "'Prisons are built with stones of law, brothels with bricks of religion.'" This is a very provocative social commentary, because a female who was raped or seduced might be deemed unmarriageable and forced into prostitution, which is where Blake gets this image of brothels with bricks of religion. A few lines further, he says, excess of sorrow laughs, excess of joy weeps. Again, he's playing with these concepts of contraries. We see contraries again in the proverb, the crow wished everything was black, the owl that everything was white. Exuberance is beauty. If the lion was advised by the fox, he would be cunning. Improvement makes straight roads, but the crooked roads without improvements are roads of genius. Sooner murder an infant in its cradle then nurse unacted desires, end quote. Unacted desires for Blake are frustrated energy and are very unhealthy. On plate 16, Blake writes, but first the notion that man has a body distinct from his soul is to be expunged this i shall do by printing in the infernal method by corrosives which in hell are salutary and medicinal melting apparent surfaces away and displaying the infinite which was hid End quote. this is such an interesting image of corrosives by which blake meant acids such as sulfuric and nitric acid which he says in hell are salutary and medicinal Again, he sees heaven and hell as contraries, and so a substance that is corrosive and causes burns, which we would regard as being harmful, is actually seen as good when reversed. These acids have very sharp odors, and sulfuric acid would remind us of sulfur, another name for which is brimstone, which of course we associate with hell, a place of fire and brimstone. Blake sees these corrosives as beneficial, perhaps because they melt away appearances and reveal the reality, in fact the infinite, hidden underneath. It's also an obvious allusion to his printing process, which involves etching plates with acid. So, in the production of his books, Blake is also uncovering melting away appearances to reveal the hidden infinite. Perhaps the most famous line in The Marriage of Heaven and Hell is the next line, If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite. This line was Jim Morrison's inspiration for the name of the 1960s rock band The Doors. Morrison and The Doors were avid readers of Blake. Finally, let's look at some lines near the end of the poem where we see Blake's indictment of the theologian Emanuel Swedenborg. He says that, quote, "Swedenborg boasts that what he writes is new, though it is only the contents or index of already published books." He shows the folly of churches and exposes hypocrites till he imagines that all are religious and himself the single one on earth that ever broke a net. Now here a plain fact Swedenborg has not written one new truth, now hear another, he has written all the old falsehoods, and now hear the reason, he conversed with angels who are all religious, and conversed not with devils who all hate religion, for he was incapable through his conceited notions. Thus, Swedenborg's writings are a recapitulation of all superficial opinions, and an analysis of the more sublime, but no further." End quote. So, according to Blake, Swedenborg's weakness is that he only converses with one side, the angels and not the devils. And therefore, Swedenborg is only superficial, only rehashing old religious ideas. There is the absence of a true dialectic. Remember, for Blake, without contraries, there is no progression, and that is why he has presented this infernal reading of scriptures to place as a contrary to the more orthodox reading of scriptures. It is through the collision of these two ideas in the dialectic that we have true progression, or a synthesis, something that is new. In many ways, Blake's concept of contraries anticipates 20th century psychoanalysis, as practiced by Jung, Freud, and others. Thinking of these opposing forces in terms of the psychology of the self, the interplay between the conscious and unconscious or subconscious minds, opens up Blake to some interesting readings, In the more famous Freudian formulation, the ego represents the conscious reasoning self and the id is a subconscious, a rather dark place of often forbidden desires that, if repressed, tend to bubble up in unpleasant ways. But we often equate this selfish, pleasure-seeking id with energy and creativity. Looking at Blake's contraries in that way can be less problematic than focusing on the terms good and evil, which have a lot of moral baggage that can limit our ability to process what Blake may be trying to do. Viewed this way, Blake's marriage of heaven and hell is not just a bizarre and perhaps disturbing hallucination, an acid trip involving a very different kind of acid, but a remarkably perceptive forerunner of psychoanalytic theory.